Welcome to another edition of Contractor's Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractor's Corner column in the back of our print magazine and on our website, so make sure you look for our featured solar contractors in every issue. In this episode, we're speaking with Aaron Hall, President of Financing and Contracting Company of Borrego Solar. So, Aaron, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sure. Aaron, can you start off by telling us a little bit about Borrego and its philosophy? First of all, the company was founded in 1980 by a PhD astrophysicist named James Ricard and his wife, and it was founded in the county of San Diego in the Borrego Desert, that's the name, and it was a small company until about 2001 when I joined the company, uh, previously focused on solar thermal and residential off-grid solar PV, and then since then, the company is exclusively focused on grid-tied PV, starting with residential back in the beginning of the millennium, and then now focused exclusively on the middle market and the commercial distributed generation and public sector space. When I joined the company, it was the original founders, myself, shortly thereafter, my brother, Michael, who's now our CEO, joined, as well as Chris Anderson, who's now our CTO. We have a mission statement. Our mission statement is to solve the world's energy problems by accelerating the adoption of renewable energy. And we add to that that our people are committed to excellence in every aspect of solar design, finance, and construction. And we really started as a construction company trying to do differentiate ourselves as just being a little more academic approach to our projects than most construction companies. Everybody had graduated from a prestigious university or had a uh, postgraduate degree in the company, and a lot of the company still is that way now that we're about 100 employees. We are focused on sustainability in what we do, so that includes the mentality that uh, we want to make a difference, which is one reason why we kind of move from residential to larger projects to just have a larger environmental footprint to our actions. Another aspect of that sustainability is a corporate sustainability and focusing on profitability. We don't take on a project for growth purposes. If we don't think it will be profitable, then then we don't take that on. And then some of the adjectives that we think of when we think about our philosophy or our our people, our management styles, entrepreneurial, nimble, creative, innovative, trustworthy, and loyal. And, And those attributes are brought to bear both on our customer standpoint when we're talking with our investors, developers, or or host customers, as well as our stakeholders on the other side of our business. For example, our suppliers, all of the major solar suppliers, we we treat them all the same and bring those same characteristics to bear. Let's talk about your service range a little bit. How many customers do you estimate are in your service range and how many are yours? Where we focus is the middle market, so projects from about 500 kilowatts to 10 megawatts primarily is where we play in the market. We are in all of the major solar markets in the U.S. Most of our business has been in uh, two states, California and Massachusetts. We've done projects in many other states, including Texas, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and other areas in the Northeast. But in our two major states, we have about a 5% market share in California in the middle market. And then in Massachusetts, it's over 10% where we are number one. And our focus is to probably double that California market share and then also hold and increase our market share in Massachusetts. 
definitely are in the commercial public sector now, so no residential. As of now, the technology we use in all of our systems to live in Carolina is PV, grid-tied PV. As far as the applications we have, we have mostly nowadays are on the ground with either a fixed tilt, a single-axis tracker, or solar support structure. Our roots come from the roof, though, and so we, we still do rooftop projects. And some of the newer applications are that are interesting. Um, one of the newer ones is landfills. And I think we've done as much as or more than any other contractor in the country on landfills, which we are excited about, definitely, because our goals of being a sustainable company, being that land doesn't really have any other useful purpose, so we're able to repurpose it and provide clean energy. How many employees do you have? And just to look at growth, how many have you added in the past three years? We have about 100. We're hiring somewhere around 10 people, seems like, at most times. And I would say we probably about doubled in size over the last three years. When we were in residential all the way through February of 2009, we had many more employees, and then we shrunk size dramatically due to the fact that for our business today, it's a lot more scalable, and we can get a lot more productivity per employee. What do you think has enabled your company to be successful, Aaron? Well, most importantly, I think it's the fact that we've really become a kind of true one shop, and what I mean by that is we have expertise and capabilities in every important aspect of the project life cycle. So that usually starts with kind of development services, finding your off-taker, entering into a power purchase agreement, entering into a lease where you're finding your land, setting the interconnection, getting your interconnection agreement, doing your entitlement. In our case, we're often required to put money at risk, and so that's kind of what we consider development, and then there's the EPC, Engineering, Procurement, and Construction Services, which is our core business and what we use the other services to kind of feed into, and that's where most of our revenues come from, and that's what we are at heart. On the other side of things, the kind of ownership of the assets, the financing of projects, we have a lot of expertise there. We ourselves, with our sister company, have financed over $250 million of projects now. And then if you count projects that we've brought to external investors, which is a very big focus of ours as well, that gets, yeah, another about $100 million of projects. And then after the project's built, we also have strong O&M capabilities and a history of performing those services. So we know how each one of those components is done. We do them. We know how they interact. We know what risk each stage brings. We know what kind of returns you need for activity in those spaces, whether we're performing them or somebody else is performing them. And I think that is our largest competitive advantage. Can you tell me a little bit about what the regulatory situation is like in the states that you operate? Do you find that the, the government is supportive of the solar industry? Predominantly, that is the case, particularly in California and Massachusetts, which is a large reason why we focused so much of our efforts there because the regulatory environment is so predictable, the support is so strong and consistent. California has been at the forefront of the solar revolution, if you will, and the solar industry in general ever since they started their first rebate program in 1998, and it's really been consistent since then, largely driven by, well, really every aspect, the state legislature, governor, and the Public Utilities Commission, which is one of the 
certain bodies that has an influence over our industry. In Massachusetts, the DOER, the kind of PUC equivalent over there, as well as the governor and their administration has similarly been very supportive. So we've met with the governor been in that market since 2007, and we've seen continued improvement on fostering a regulatory environment that really helps businesses thrive in the solar industry, not just kind of theoretical ways of structuring how they might help boost activity, but really taking corporate leadership. The real battle that we're going to be fighting has begun across every market, and in California, it's maybe at the forefront, as is the case with most regulatory items in solar, is a net metering battle. What value will be placed on net metering or what cost will be calculated as as a result of net metering solar in general and the way that calculation concludes will be critical. Absolutely. I know that's a big issue in many states. Let's focus on some questions, a little more fun here. Aaron, what's the thing that you enjoy most about being in the solar industry? How dynamic it is, I guess because it's still a burgeoning industry, because governments play a large role, it brings new challenges that we have to face, whether it's on the supply side and tariffs, or whether it's on the incentive side, all of the standard construction issues that you might have, union labor and things like that. But I think solar probably more than most industries, particularly in the, in the energy industry, is constantly changing and constantly bringing up new roadmaps and so our new roadblocks and or challenges to do vanquish. That's what I enjoy most about the industry that you never bored. That's true, but that probably does pose some challenges too. So I'm wondering what you enjoy least about being in solar. The double-edged sword, the fact that we have all of those challenges and when you think you've done everything you needed to do as a responsible company to secure your budgeted growth and, and your financial plans, something comes up that you have no control over and that puts a wrench in things. While it's interesting, challenging, and fun to constantly be in that position of having to be innovative and, and creative, it is a challenge and sometimes we think it's unfair. Absolutely. I can see how that is. Aaron, if you were the king of the solar industry for a day and you could change anything you wanted, what would you change? Like I mentioned before, net metering is kind of at the heart of our industry, so I'd probably try to close the book on that debate one way or the other. Otherwise, I'm a fan of free trade, so I'm not a fan of the tariffs and duties. I think those things ultimately raise the cost of solar. That's in a direct conflict with our goals of accelerating the adoption of renewable energy. And on the same token, if or lastly, I'd, I'd create an even playing field with sound power in terms of incentives that they get, in terms of exclusion from compliance with environmental laws, some forms of power get, and also if there were a way to incorporate external costs into pricing of those sources of power, all those things I think would help create an even playing field for solar, and that would do so in a way that wasn't playing favorites, but just allowing what is best for society. What about the technical side? What's the most important piece of technical advice you would offer your peers? Just make sure that people truly understand and are adept at performing LCOE analyses, levelized cost of energy. There's a lot of ways you can value engineer a system and or levers you can pull that make a 
project more attractive to different stakeholders, particularly investors that own those assets over the long term, but also just on a, how can you build the project for a lower cost. You really you understand how all of the pieces go together and also how they affect the most important thing, the production of your system, then you have a great advantage. So in order to do that, you have to really understand all the pieces of the puzzle and you have to understand how investors look at their return on projects and you have to understand how projects are built and, and engineered and having a strong engineering bench is probably the most important way that you can accomplish that goal. What about from the business side? What's the most important business lesson you've learned since you've been in the industry? I think the lessons I've learned are the fundamentals of any business, of any industry, not necessarily so unique to solar. One of those is the lesson of cash flow that you would learn in any business class, particularly in our early years. It was very important to understand and control our cash flow. I know that a lot of companies in the space have, frankly, gone away because they didn't pay attention enough to that aspect of their businesses. Another lesson I've learned is it's easy to get distracted with the challenges of the day, particularly with all of the new challenges that that come to us in the solar industry. But in order to kind of avoid being a commodity within the space, it's critical that you leave time set aside for strategy and infrastructure improvement, constantly making sure the fundamentals of how you run the business and how productivity is measured and arrived at within your businesses, you're constantly analyzing that and also thinking about how that should change over the long term and how your strategy needs to adapt to the changing circumstances. All right, I got one more question for you, Aaron. We're looking forward here, and I'm wondering where you see the solar industry in five years. On the first hand, I see solar as one of the most competitive energy options out there. We've already arrived in many circumstances and markets at what we call grid parity. Five years from now, I think that will become even more widespread and there'll be more situations where the consumer can purchase solar energy and that decision will not be at any economic disadvantage to them. I see a widespread adoption numbers of the 1% nationwide and in some markets in the single digits, double, tripling, quadrupling. But at the same time, once we get there, one of the biggest challenges we have that um, you know, Germany and the country challenged with is the integration of solar onto the grid. Its biggest strength is that it produces power when we need it most, when power is most valuable, but also its biggest weakness is that it's not something that's consistent and something that can kind of address a base load without any interruption. And so I see storage technology being the next interesting aspect of the solar industry and of integration into projects in order to be successful. We'll have to bring that technology to bear. We'll have to understand it, and we'll have to include it in our proposals, at least starting probably with the utility-scale projects. All right, well, again, this has been another edition of Contractor's Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. Remember to check online on our website for more about Borrego Solar in our Contractor's Corner column. And we'd like to thank Aaron again for being with us. So thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. It was fun. I'm Kathy Zipp, Managing Editor of Solar Power World magazine. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time.